Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. About a month ago, over a month ago, the Lord gave me what I'm going to give to y'all today. Fast forward a month later, we're in this series, Unsung Heroes. Who but the Lord could have orchestrated something like this? Because I will be talking about someone or some people who could be considered unsung heroes. I'm only making light of that. I'm only mentioning that so that we could hold on or pick out the idea of future. Y'all see that? Future. For those that's getting baptized today, the word from the Lord is this. Future. He is the God of the future. He is the God of your future. And if you will trust him, with your future, as you're acknowledging and declaring him that you trust him today, your future will be brighter than your today and definitely your yesterday, if you trust him with your future. Now, that's not to say you won't have some dark clouds and some rough times, but all dark clouds have a silver lining. And the silver lining is and always will be Jesus if you trust him. Now, having said that, now let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, the Son, and your Holy Spirit, I stand before your people and I acknowledge you as one, complete, total, whole, and in the totality of who you are, I stand before your people in and on your authority. Father, I ask that you just pour out all of me so that I may transmit all of you and everything that you have to your people. Father, I pray that you open our minds. I pray that you open our eyes, our ears. Most of all, Lord, I pray and ask that you open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And in the name of Jesus and through your Holy Spirit, I say, we say, amen. amen. Now let's go. October 2015, a gunman opens fire in an Oregon community college after asking the victims if they were Christians. Now the question, ponder this in your hearts 
And if you feel so brave, raise your hands. How would you respond to this gunman? Would you claim Christ? Or would you declare something else? Or would you remain silent? In that moment, you, we, would have a serious decision to make. Where would your mind go? What type of things would cross your mind and influence your decision? Family, jobs, careers, a sense of unfinished business, whatever that looks like. We got a vacation planned or whatever, etc. Stuff. All these things are really just stuff. And the reality of the matter is, if anything other than Jesus is chosen, you've put stuff over Jesus. Anything put above God is an idol. Jesus, same person. Anything put above Jesus is an idol. And you can read the word and we know how he deals with idols. So would you really be a Christian? One who is called by his name. If you are ashamed of the very name by which you were, we are saved. I'm talking about standing up for the very one who laid down his life for us. See, we could talk all day, but when the spit hit the fan, are you willing to stand in that spit? Now, if it's his spit involved, with his spit comes sight. Now, if that went over y'all head, just write it down and y'all can think about that later. Now, some would say, me, mm -mm. deny Christ, oh, never. Those words would never come out of my mouth. Well, some guy named Peter once felt the same way, and we know how that ended up, right? We have and thereby worship a God of principle. So principle doesn't change, only the application or the expression of a principle changes. Well, principally, isn't that the same scenario we saw in Oregon? Our action speaks louder than our words, so what are we really saying in our everyday lives when someone, when the world asks us, are we Christians? What are we really saying? What statement are we really proclaiming about Jesus? I remember a number of years ago, I was inquiring about a different cell phone plan. And I remember being told if I wanted a service plan with a contract, then it would cost me more money, excuse me. It would cost me more money than a plan without a contract. The Lord subsequently told me we're in a time where a commitment will cost you. Now to be straight up, Taking a stand for Jesus may be painful, and we know it doesn't always have a happy ending. But nonetheless, we must be prepared to say if he rescues me or if he doesn't, I will serve Jesus. I will serve one God. Now, we're going to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, 
particularly verses 16 through 18, 24, 27, and verse 30. Now, I'm going to give you some background. We're looking at the year at about 617, 628, I mean, B.C. Now, the Lord saw fit to turn over the city of Jerusalem to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at this time. Now, he took Jerusalem, and the Lord saw fit also for him to take, to be given some of the treasures of the temple and whatnot, and he took it and put it in the Babylonian treasure house. Now, he also said, told his minions, go and get some of the members of the priestly family, the royal family, and some other young men from the noble families. Bring them to Babylon. We're going to indoctrinate them, and we're going to train them to essentially be officials in my court. Among these people were Daniel, who the book is written after. It's also the same guy that we get the Daniel fast from. The other three guys that was in here, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Now, that was their Babylonian names. Their Jewish names, Daniel was his Jewish name, Belshazzar was his Babylonian name, Hananiah was his Jewish name, Shadrach was his Babylonian name, Meshach was his Jewish name, Meshach, Babylonian, Azariah, Jewish, Abednego, Babylonian. So the Bible in one of the first or the second, the first chapter, it breaks that down. So throughout the rest of the story, they're referred to by their Babylonian names, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. All right. So chapter three opens up with Nebuchadnezzar building a gold statue, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. And he declared that everyone will come and bow down and worship this statue once they heard the music play. So he sent the decree out amongst all of his officials that this was going to be the play. This is what the people were supposed to be doing. Now, Daniel and the other three guys, over the course of three years, they were indoctrinated in the Babylonian way. So they ultimately became officials, government officials, in the Babylonian government. That's important to remember. So they had a little favor, and the word kind of gives you the impression that King Nebuchadnezzar thought highly of these guys. Like they had a little bit more stroke than the average people. So when it was time to bow down to this statue, they sent it out and said, everybody's going to do this. And those that don't do this will be thrown into the fiery furnace. The music was played. Everybody bowed down. Everybody with the exception of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Now you have some guys that the Bible say they went and informed the king that these three guys didn't do it. Now that's just a real fancy way of saying they read it. These guys went and read it on the three guys. So the king felt some kind of way because he had favor. He, 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 he felt favorably about these three guys. So he said, go get them, bring them before me. So that's what happened. So that's where we pick up the story at. King Nebuchadnezzar asked him, did you do what they said you did? And this was the guy's reply. Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They was respectful, but they stood their ground. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So again, I say to you, we still must be prepared to say, if he rescues me or not, I will serve only Jesus. Now, upon this reply... King Nebuchadnezzar, the word says, his face got distorted with fury. He was totally ticked off. Sounds demonic to me if his face got so distorted with anger that, but that's not, that's just me. That's not in scripture. But his face did get distorted. So he called for, he called for some of the strongest men at his disposal to wrap these guys up, bound these guys up, tie them up. While y'all doing that, y'all turn the furnace up, make it seven times hotter. Got to teach these guys a lesson. Got to make an example out of them. Now, I won't really get into it, but seven is an is a, is a, is a interesting number because we see it throughout Scripture. That's another lesson for another day. Furnace turned up seven times hotter. They're bound up by the, some of the strongest men at his disposal. So they couldn't get out. They wasn't going to get out. They were stuck. We would say that their fate was sealed. The fire was so hot that once these guys were thrown into the fire, it was so hot. <laughs> it's hot outside, so y'all going to really feel what I'm saying. It was so hot to where the executioners died just from exposure to the heat, the radiant heat. So now they're in the fire. Now we go back to the story. Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Verse 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out the fire. Then the high officials, high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Now the hair on their head was singed and their clothes were, was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Now a side note to verses 24 and 25. The only thing destroyed by the fire was the ropes that were used to tie the men up with. What does that mean to us? Jesus can break and completely do away with anything that we or anyone else may bind us up with. No addiction and or no affliction is bigger than or greater than Jesus. There's no hell which we may find ourselves in that he can't deliver us from. He is our freedom. Y'all dig that? He is our freedom. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm read that again because y'all got to catch something. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and was willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Now, I read that a couple of different times because it's important for us to see. Notice Nebuchadnezzar twice said, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, never my God. So just because someone claimed God and may go as far as praising him does not mean they're so loud or all in for the Lord. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. See, steadfast, steadfast faith results in promotion, whether in this phase of our existence or the next. Paul says later on in the Bible in Philippians, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. Different time, different age, same question. And that question is what the Lord has done. That, that question is this, and the Lord has told me this elsewhere other times. The central question of the Bible is this, who do you say that I am? 
None of this Bible and none of this stuff that we do, none of this stuff that we say, none of this stuff that we try and make an effort to live as Christians, none of it matters if we don't personalize Jesus and the gospel. We have to see ourselves in the scripture. It's a love letter to you, to me, to us. That's all it is. But none of it works if we don't personalize it. Who do you say that I am? So he's asking us today, both corporately and individually, who do you say that I am? We have to personalize the author of our faith, our protector, our provider, our healer, our savior, our Jesus. Not the word of God, but the person of Jesus. The only one who shall lift up all people if he in his name is lifted up. So I wish to issue or propose a challenge. Make an effort to use the name of Jesus instead of the word or the name of God, whenever you can. And determine for yourselves if the atmosphere or the environment you find yourself in changes. This is something that we all can do better, declaring exactly where we stand and who we are. Jesus, not the word or the name of God. Because they got other people that say God all day. The Muslims will say God all day. Other people will say God all day because they want to seem, but when you say Jesus, mm, oh, that God, yeah. The only God. That's who I'm talking about. That's who came, died, and rose for me. So that's who I'm talking about. Now, let me say very simply and very plainly, this is not an encouragement for any sort of fanaticism or any type of zealotry. We ain't talking about going out there hitting people with bricks and none of that. I'm not talking about none of that. But this is a call to arms nonetheless. Where in some way, hold on, my little, my little thing just disappeared on me. Yeah, I, I was going with all my papers and my wife was like, you going to bring all of them papers up there? Like, well, yeah, no, yeah. So, call the arms nonetheless. In a day and age where everyone has or is claiming a title of some sort and is willing to stand up for whatever comes with that title, why not us? He's asking us to stand up. He's asking us not to be ashamed of his name. Because there's no other name given to mankind by which we can be saved. He's the only one. May he say that himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, I'm the way you should go, the truth you should believe, for the life you desire to have. It's not that difficult. 
So I'm saying, let's stop playing around with the man and get serious about what he would have us to do. And live like someone gave their life for us to live. Unapologetic, unashamed, unabashed, free. Do we have any problems with that? If so, we could deal with that after church. Now, allow me to share with y'all a story about title versus name. Junior high, seventh grade science class, exam time. I had a fight in class. I beat the kid up pretty badly. Profuse bleeding from the nose, blackened eye, damaged eardrum. Now, prior to this, when I was being addressed by my people, it was, say boy, what's your name again? Say you. Now I say my people because although this was the late 80s, and this area was prejudiced, it was a bigoted area, and the guy I fought was white. This wasn't my white classmates that referred to me as boy. It was my black classmates, particularly the girls my people, until after the fight. After the fight, I was Christopher, or more affectionately or invitingly, Chris. I was recognized to the point where one young lady asked me to beat up her boyfriend because she didn't like him no more. Now, I didn't do it. And I had a pretty big crush on her, but I didn't do it. He didn't do anything to me. I'm known now. I'm being acknowledged because of something I did. I'm not advocating fighting. Sometimes you got to. In this case, I felt like I had to. So the problem got handled. But I'm not advocating that. But what I am saying is, I was being acknowledged because of something I did. I was now worthy of being called by my name. Now the point of the story is this. If a physical fight is enough to warrant a kid, the distinction and honor of being called by his birth name and not what he is, then how much more honor and distinction should, we be, should be given to the man who not only fought and conquered hell, but continues to fight for us and his name, which is the name above all names, and thereby we have victory in and through. In the name of Jesus, we have so much more than just victory. Are we not his people? Well, then we should be calling him by name and not what he is. He is God. But that's the name that other people want to call him. We need to know him by Jesus. He died for that personal relationship. We can't expect everybody else to call him by that. They call him a little bit of everything. Now, for the young people, if y'all want to think about him as y'all homeboy, then that's cool, too. But just know with that, 
You can't be so casual in your execution or your expression of that relationship. He can be your homeboy, but never lose sight of the fact that he's also God. Never lose fact that lose sight of the fact that he is everything he says he is and he will do everything that he says he will do. Nobody else can make that claim. He's God. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. Let that be settled among us. Because they saying else, they saying otherwise out there. Jesus. Now, although I've used it and y'all may hear the word fight and Jesus in the same sentence, there, there isn't and never will be a fight if Jesus is involved. See, a fight implies that there's some degree of equality between the combatants. It's a fight, so there's going to be some kind of back and forth. Let me be crystal clear. Jesus has no equal. He's never lost. It's impossible for him to lose because he's God Almighty. Amen. Am I making anything up? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, and we're giving access to God through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We declare who he is to us, and we declare to the world exactly who God is when we say the name of Jesus. I'll give you the words of King Jesus himself, and they're found in Luke 12. I did it again. I give you the words of King Jesus himself. Luke 12, verses 4 through 5, 8 and 9. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Verse 5. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has the authority to throw you in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angel of God. We don't hear that said about Jesus, huh? He's serious. He left heaven to come down for us, do what only he can do. So he's asking us to do what he's told us to do. Acknowledge him. Now, what does all of this have to do with today? We're having baptisms today. And whether it's ever been explained to you like this or not, we generally get to the place of Christian baptism by going through this chain of events. Now, one thing I say Christian baptism because it's different for the Catholics. Christian baptism. 
Now, for this illustration, I'm going to use the simple principle of the alphabet A, B, C. Now, I'm going to need some crowd participation here, just for this part. Please finish this statement for me. Before you can fix a problem, you have to first... So, A, we admit or acknowledge, that works too. To Jesus, we are a sinner. In other words, somebody who has chosen to live in a way other than how he would have us to live. B, we believe. Jesus, we believe you came. Now, you got to make this personal, like I said. Jesus, we believe you came for me. You died for me. You rose for me, and you returned to the right hand of the Father for me. In other words, we totally believe Jesus and take him at his word. Admit, believe, see. We therefore confess, I confess, you to be my Lord and Savior. Just for grins and giggles, we throw the D in there, since we got it like that. Declare a discipleship. Our Christian baptism by water is a public declaration of who we say Christ is to us, and we should understand as, as an extension of our discipleship. Now, in saying that, I'm referencing Matthew 28, 18 through 19, where he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and, hell, uh, in heaven and earth. Therefore, go forth and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So our baptism is an extension of our relationship with him. A, B, C, and D. So we admit, we believe, and we confess Jesus Christ is King and Lord. Do we have any problems with that? Anything we need to discuss and, and work out after service? We good, family? We good. Jesus and only Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Amen.